Um, I want you to close your eyes and just think about the word peace. And I wonder what you think of. Maybe it is your, maybe it's your happy place. I, I, I have a happy place. It's, um, it's actually near the, well, it's looking, overlooking the cricket grounds of the school I grew up in uh, and then went back to teach in. I was so happy there that obviously I went back to teach there for three years. It could be one of these um, images of a forest, um, the light dappling through the trees. But wherever it is, it, it, I'm sure it, um, it conjures up images of calm and tranquility. It's an escape, isn't it, from the busyness of life. This idea of peace is one that is so sought after by people. They spend, people spend a lot of money to try and find it. It is rare and precious. I have a picture in my, uh, in my house here. It is a Vincent van Gogh piece. Um, it's a cafe at night. I think you, you may know the piece. Um, for me, it is that slice of peace. I, I imagine it as sometime during my summer holidays. The, I, as a teacher, I get nice long summer holidays. And there is usually just a moment, quite a fleeting moment, during my summer holidays where I will have spent the day doing something fun or spend the day with friends. Maybe I've been shopping or just wandering around some city and I've found a cafe to sit in and I sit and I just enjoy the atmosphere. And I have that moment where I think there is nowhere I need to be. There is nothing I need to do right now. That's a lovely, lovely thought, isn't it? But the, wherever people seek peace, um, I, read quite, I read quite a lot of quotes when preparing this. And whatever the quotes were uh, that I read online, they were about seeking or changing something within yourself. The Bible talks about peace as a different thing, something as a blessing from God, a much more lasting peace, a peace that dwells within you, not a fleeting peace, not a, a moment to be grasped, but something that dwells within us. I'm going to read very briefly from John 16. Um, so if you want to turn to it, we're looking at John chapter 16, verse 31 to 33. Just three short, short uh, verses. And um, this is taking place as Jesus is about to go and be arrested, crucified, and eventually uh, raising, uh, rising from the dead. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will, uh, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. 
I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let me pray for us as we, before we go on. Father, we do long for peace. Something in us desires it above everything else. Uh, We pray that you can show us how to have peace, that you do grant us peace in our lives. Lord, we pray that we can uh, set aside all our uh, worries at the moment and concentrate on what you have to teach us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, I'm going to continue where I left off last week, which I left you with a, the passage that I, um, I try and live my life by. Um, it was one of my memory verses as, as a child. Um, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, and in the NIV, it is, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Isn't that an amazing passage? Imagine someone promising to make your path straight. You know where you're going. You have a purpose. You have a, yeah, a road. And it has given me an incredible amount of peace over the years. Now I know that when there is a big change in my life, I can trust God and put that into God's hands. Even if I don't know where I'm going, I know that he has a plan and he has purpose and he has revealed to me many times in these big life changes and given me an extraordinary peace. So I want to share with with you uh, some of what the Bible says about that. So I'm going to be dotting around, which is a a little unusual for what we do here. Uh, Normally we take one passage um, and we expound upon that. But let's just have a look back. If you've still got John 16 open, uh, then please do. Um, We're going to just expound a little bit on this passage and then dot around a little bit from there. It seems almost contradictory, some of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that the disciples will be scattered and they will be without him. Their leader and their teacher of three years who they've put their complete trust in, is now going to be gone. He says he's going to be gone and that they will be scattered. And they are. Jesus is arrested and crucified. And then even after he comes back resurrected, he then leaves them leaderless, without guidance. He says that he, Jesus, will have the Father, God. Well, that's all good, well and good for Jesus, but what about the disciples? That's not very reassuring. Oh, don't worry, I'm not going to be alone. I'm going to have God. But what about, what about us? He also says that they will have tribulation in the world. Again, not very reassuring. You are going to suffer. You're going to be scattered. You are going to have troubles. But in the middle of it, he says that they will have peace because of what he said. Well, let's unpack this. Firstly, the Bible does promise us 
And this is not a great advertisement for Christianity, but the Bible does promise us that we will face suffering. If we stay true to God, we will face suffering. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, Beloved, do not be surprised when the fiery trial, uh, at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad, and his glory is revealed. And his sufferings and tribulations, the sufferings and tribulations will not stop on this earth. It will only stop when judgment comes. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea it was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That is a wonderful day that all Christians look forward to with a guaranteed hope. That word hope is not... uh, Kind of uh, an uncertain thing for Christians, that is a, a certain thing, a guaranteed hope that we will be there with God, and God will be wiping away every tear, no more pain, no more crying. That is the time when we will have perfect peace. So how is it that among the pain, sufferings and tribulations that this world brings, can we have peace? Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we have that grace. That's the certainty of heaven. That's the certainty of forgiveness. Grace, is that's what that means. We have that now. Let me read on. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, the passage in John said that we would have peace because of what he said. What was the thing he said to the disciples? What was the thing he promised to the disciples? Well, we see here in this passage, Romans 5, that this peace is because we have been justified by faith. This is Jesus' great salvation. We have that certain, sure hope of heaven. And that should give us peace. Some of you, I know, have come from difficult homes. But 
At some point in your life, I hope you have found home, safe and security. And in difficult times, there are times where you've had a hard day. At that longing and you're heading home. That longing to be home. That time where you are going to be home. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You go home and there is your safety and security, your, maybe your family. Or like me, I quite like a, a nice, peaceful, quiet home. I'm a bit unsafe like that. Just a place where you can rest. And we know that that's a temporary thing. But seeing and knowing that heaven is there, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That is our peace. Knowing that we have been saved, knowing that our sins do not count against us. That is a wonderful peace that we can have. And how crazy does this sound to non-Christians? Rejoice in your sufferings. What a crazy thing that is. But that can only be achieved, attained, if we know peace we don't mind the sufferings to come because we know that eventually we will have our place in heaven we don't mind the sufferings that are here because we know what we're working towards and what God has already given us and this brings me to like my last passage which should be something that's quite familiar to, to the you know, Christians here Philippians 4, verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the NIV, I think the word is transcends. A peace that transcends all understanding. That surpasses all understanding. Something that this world cannot know, this world cannot understand. Because this world sees things as fleeting. They grasp the fleeting peace that they, the tranquility that they experience, knowing that they have to go back to maybe everyday life. But we have a promise of heaven. There is an internal conscious change there. Yes, we have to do something. It says, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. So he is telling you, do not be anxious about anything. So that's something that we have to change in ourselves. It is very easy to get caught up in this life and worries and cares. And there are obviously genuine things. There are always things that, that we, we fuss and worry about. One thing that teaching has ta taught me is that you need to worry about just the big important things. There are so many small things that you can worry about. And I see students who get so caught up. I mean, any of you who have babysat or had little children, 
especially in the terrible twos or the tantrum threes or whatever they call now. I remember going to see my, my sister when her, her daughter, who is always very calm, going through just the tantrum phase. And apparently it just happened three weeks where I was there for one week in the middle of it. And we were going out and she's like, Mimi, do you want to come? And she's like, no! Because she couldn't find her coat, you know. But that's just like teenagers who get so caught up in just the little things. And adults, we get caught up in little things. Yes, there are big things to worry about. When our families get sick, when we have financial troubles, when there are all sorts of things that can go wrong. But the little things. So do not be anxious about anything. Even the big things, God promised us that he will be here for us. Paul is encouraging us to actively try not to be anxious about things. But how? He gives us practical tips how to do this. By prayer and supplication. By praying and asking God things. With thanksgiving, ask God. See, many Christians know this. And this should not be surprising to us when they say these things to us. Oh, concentrate on the good things. Be thankful. Even in my school's well-being classes, I don't know whether you've come across these. These are the new, so it used to be called uh, PSHE, um, Personal Social Health Education. Um, and in other schools, it's called all sorts of other things. I, I think in one school it was called happiness lessons, um, which is a bit twee, but uh, it's called well-being now, uh, nowadays. And my students in one session, and I, you know, I, I take some of these, um, they were asked to write thank you notes. And I think that's a great idea. Sit down and write a thank you note. It gets you to concentrate on the positives. And that every, every student was even given a small stone and asked to decorate it. And it was meant to remind them to be thankful. This was your thankful stone. It seems ridiculous, but I, th I think actually it's a great idea for students to remember to be thankful. It makes my job a bit easier because then they're thankful for my lessons. Well, it's, I, I do work in a nice school, so I am, I'm always quite pleasantly surprised when students thank me at the end of the lesson, even if I think I've done a really boring lesson. But it's, it's really nice for them to be thankful and it's really good and positive and good for their well-being. But we do the same. We remember the cross. We look forward to heaven. I wear a cross. This, this cross was given to me uh, when I was 20. Um, and at various times it has reminded me to be grateful. It is the symbol of hope, of a much greater significance, to remind us to be thankful for the salvation that we have. And isn't this what we long for, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? I have talked before in sermons about the minor persecution that I've had for being a Christian. This was in my last school where the senior management uh, took issue with me being a Christian. I can say that that's minor now because you can compare it 
to the suffering, imprisonment, torture, and even death that others have suffered in. You know, and and Christian, good Christian friends have reminded me of that. At the time, it felt so dreadful to be suffering that thing. I felt that my life was adrift, and I clung on to God. But now I look back on it, and I realise that it was mine now. But I felt, yeah, it felt so harsh at the time. And there's times where I am. I'm genuinely terrified that it might have been a taste of things to come, of harsher, greater punishment, or not punishment, um, suffering, trials to come. I know that others have suffered greatly, even here in Malaysia, for their faith. And I know that by preaching there and by serving this church, there is a, a small, a very, very small, but there's a small possibility for me that, uh, that that could cause trouble. And I know that that's the same for anyone who serves the church, um, especially preaching. Um, and I t- talk about evangelism, which uh, could get me into trouble at times. But the same thing that gives me peace, the same thing that quiet quietens and soothes those terrifying thoughts is the thing that also gives me purpose and drives me forward. And that is that Jesus died in my place to guarantee a place in heaven, a place as part of his family. That is what gives me peace. That is what gives me purpose. And I hope that you can share in that. Let me pray. Father, I pray that each person here can know your peace, the peace which transcends all understanding, that they can bring their worries, every small thing, because you are a Father who loves loves us, that you are a Father who wants to hear our our small worries and our niggles because you know that they're not small to us like a parent listening to a, patiently to a child telling us their worries and listening intently Lord help us to resent those troubles to you and give them up knowing that you are we are in your hands that we have a guaranteed place in heaven Lord, I pray for all of those who are traveling. I pray for Craig and Angie and their family. I pray for uh, Eric and Michelle and Kinza. I pray for those who have gone out for us, from us and those who are coming in September. I pray for, that we can know your peace as one unified family and that we will long for that day where we will be with you in perfection, in perfect peace, and that I will see everyone here in that heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.